Hey, we go little mama, I can lip lock. Gucci spend a hundred on some new socks. Could've bought a crib, but a drop top. I can love a bitch, trust no doubt. Never bring a freak to your spot. Don't you ink a bottle on my flip flop. Don't do no relaxing. Run out of the bag, get the cash in. Beat it, am I dripping or I'm splashing? Well, they can catch me when I'm passing. How you got a chicken went broke again? When the cloud and I ain't kissing him. Since I first got them hundreds, I've been flipping them. I'm white with the Gucci, I'm a Mitch Mac. When I feel you can get your back. You're listening to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin P, the athletics department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson. He is Dylan Schwartz, and it is Murray Week, so let's just get right into it, where we are live from the Dunn Center floor because a thousand things are happening in the Dunn Center today, and this is pretty much the only spot we could snare to talk. It's also pretty fitting that on the the just a couple days away from what's probably the biggest game in a long, long time for any Austin P sports program, especially men's basketball. It's pretty fitting we're doing this pretty much on the, the press row tables here. Yeah, this is going to be, you know, the action will be feet away from us on Thursday night. And I think, I think it's important to stress going into this weekend that this is mostly tongue-in-cheek good fun between Austin P and Murray. The OVC is at its best when these two programs are vying for supremacy, and it helps legitimize the league that sometimes struggles for traction among the mid-majors when you've got really, really good programs like Austin P and Murray and Belmont JSU to a, a large extent as well. But that being said, don't let these Hill people invade our house on Thursday. I don't like Murray. Neither should you. This is we got to take care of home court and it's important to have everybody here Thursday night to help us do that. Uh, for more Murray-related stuff, check out our other pod special with David Luce and Trent Hassel for some extended thoughts about the longtime rivalry with the Racers. But let's roll right into last week now. Men's basketball, a pair of big wins against SAUE and EIU to keep themselves atop the Ohio Valley Conference. Blew the doors off of SAUE, 30-5 to at one point in the first half. Terry Taylor was splashing in threes. Uh, SAU Edwardsville couldn't buy a bucket, missed 15 of their first 17 shots. The Govs weren't nearly as scorched earth in the second half, but it didn't matter. Uh, I felt kind of bad for the Cougars. They have talent. You just can't prove it by anything that happened on Thursday. The Govs also have talent, and that was evident in the 35-point win, which featured five players in double figures as the Govs extended their winning streak to nine against SIUE, longest active streak for Austin P against the league foe, and their Thursday winning streak to 10 games dating back to last season. The Eastern Illinois game will be remembered for two things, avenging an early season loss to the Panthers on the road and Terry Taylor earning career point number 1,000. Terry needed 21 and got 25, hitting 1,000 with just under three minutes to play in the game. The Govs had to stop Sharif Smith, who scored the final 10 points in the previous meeting and tallied 29 in the rematch. But Steve Harris, you got to hand it to him, really stepped up in a big way, scored 17 points on one end and defended Josiah Wallace, one of the league's top newcomers and a guy who'd scored 27 in the first game, held him to, I believe, eight points on the evening. And that was a real big moment for the governors that work Harris did against Wallace on the defensive end. EIU... Uh, keyed on Taylor in the second half, but that just opened it up for Harris and Chris Porter-Bunton to cook both of them in double figures during the second half. Coach Figure effusive in his praise of Harris and really all the governors post-game. One of the 
And I stopped short of saying Coach Figger would be negative, but he's certainly very, very honest in his yeah, appraisal. I would agree. <laughs> very honest in his appraisal of what the Govs have done from one game to the next. And for him to be so over the top with praise when it came to the performance of Harris and others, I, it really indicated to me that he was very, very pleased with what he got Saturday night. Speaking of revenge, about how the men got a little revenge for that early season loss against East Illinois, the women's team was trying to do the same against SIUE in the first game on Thursday, and they really strangled them with defense, especially in the first half, only allowing 16 first-half points, and really just more than bad shooting. I mean, they were all over them, all in their faces. Um, really a great defensive performance, especially in the first half. Um, held, held SIUE starters to just 23 points in the entire game. Um, Sydney Bauman, who was SIUE's big player in the game last month, who had about, I think, 22 and 12 in that game last month, uh, only had about nine points and seven rebounds, so a much better job on her. And the Govs only had 19 total rebounds that first game, and they had 16 alone in the first half. They still were out-rebounded, but they had 16 alone in the first half and had a much better number, you know, obviously, than 19. Ariel Gonzalez-Varner with a nice stat line, 13 points, 14 rebounds. Um, that was her fifth career double-double, and the Govs at the time were 6-5 and five in the OVC and got a little revenge on the Cougars. Both teams had the, came in with identical records, 10 and 11, I think it was 10-11 overall and 5-5 five and five in the OVC. So after that win, the Govs uh, propelled themselves over the Cougars in, into a matchup with EIU, who they had defeated on the road already. That was the first road win of the season against the Panthers last month, and I mentioned the 16 first-half points the Govs allowed to the Cougars. Well, I guess it was kind of reverse in this game as the Govs only scored 16 in the first half. That was their lowest output in a half this season, unfortunately. Um, the 16 they gave up was actually the second lowest to SIUE. And, you know, they only made two field goals in each quarter, and, and it, a lot of it was down to, to poor shooting against SIUE. It was more of the Govs' defense, I think, getting in their face and making things dif uh, difficult and rebounding the ball better. Um, Coach Midlick postgame was um, harping on the shooting, you know, not being as good, he, he admitted that they missed some shots that they normally make around the floor, but um, he, he stressed that the ball movement and player movement around um, the basket and overall on the offensive end just needed to be better. Um, EIU was up for double digits for most of the game starting around the mid-second quarter. Um, had a buzzer beater three, and that's about the fourth or fifth time that the Govs have given up a buzzer beater to end a quarter or a half. Um, a Fortunately, it hasn't been for a game yet, but um, that put the Panthers up 12 going into halftime, and it looked pretty bleak with the Panthers still up double digits around in the fourth quarter, but the Govs did cut it to five with just a minute 30 left from a Maggie Knowles three-pointer. Um, Knowles, another good performance, hit two threes in that game. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, Govs couldn't hit a couple shots down the stretch in EIU, who only had three free-throw attempts the entire game until about the four-minute mark, and then they had went 12 out of 16 or something in the fourth quarter. Um, so, I mean, that is just unbelievable in itself from a stat perspective. Um, a positive take for the Govs is over the past five games, they're shooting in the mid to high 80s for the free throw percentage and are now second in the OVC in overall free throw percentage and also uh, third in the OVC in three-pointers made per game, second overall in three-pointers made overall. So... You know the volume shooting's there in the in the free throw pursuit, 
free throw percentage is there as well. So if the Govs can get into you know some close contests, you, you fancy them if they need to ice the game with some free throws. Over on the track, Austin P. Final tune-up ahead of the OVC Indoor Championships. Set 14 personal bests this weekend at the Sanford Open. Sabrina Richmond placed third in the 200 meters on the short list of serious challengers for a spot on the podium two weeks from now at the OVC Championships in both the 2 and 400 meter. Cameron McClellan could be a big points earner in a number of events for the guys after placing the top eight in the triple and long jump, as well as a third-place finish in the 60-meter hurdles. Savannah Amato recaptured the top spot in the pole vault. Obviously, one more opportunity here for the governors to sweep the podium at OVC, something that I know has been a longtime goal for Austin P. And the 4x400 meter relay team picked up not only a big win, but became the OVC leader after outracing Tennessee Tech in a come-from-behind win thanks to a huge anchor leg from sophomore Alana Johnson. Uh, that's a big, big thing. If you can hit the podium for the 4x4, pick up some big crucial points late in a meet, that can really turn things around for you come conference time, which is just a week away now, I believe. Yeah, it's it's weird how they're doing conference this year. It's not a weekend thing. It's midweek because of the facility in Birmingham. And I don't know if that will make a big difference because of, you know, you, you train to peak on Friday or Saturday depending on your your event and now you got to peak on Wednesday or Thursday it's just going to be different for tennis the I mean there's not much more to say about this women's the women won again season that they won again in dominating fashion um you know we talked about Central Arkansas being uh, probably their toughest challenge they won 6-1 a little misleading as um the I guess it's the Sugar Bears or the Bears. I don't really know. I'm calling them the Sugar Bears. It sounds know. better. So the the Sugar Bears play without a number six singles player and a number three doubles team. Only had five healthy players. And that was kind of ironic because the Govs were in the same position last year after an injury to Claudianus Garcia last season left them with only five healthy players themselves in the majority of that non-conference season. And, you know, it was just a dominating win from start to finish, really. The um, – Claudia and Lydia Giannis Garcia took the, the doubles point with that default win at number three and then their win at number one doubles. Um, Claudia with a dominant straight set win, 6-0, 6-2. Um, Lydia to come back from a set down but ended up winning in three sets. I mean, it, I mean, all the performances across the board, and, and they're still doing this without reigning OVC freshman of the year, Fabian Schmidt. You have a you know all-OVC performer at the moment playing at number four singles. I mean, that, that speaks to the amount of depth that this Govs team has. Um, on the men's side, they nearly picked up a second win, and they took down a, or almost took down a solid IUPUI program. Uh, took them a distance despite losing Devils Point. This IUPUI team um, pushed a nationally ranked um, Notre Dame team. Uh, it was 5-2. They won the Devils Point against Notre Dame and had one of their players um, also win a singles match and won the Horizon Player of the Week. So coming in, you know, going to be a big challenge for the Govs. Um, you know, went down 1-0, but they fought back. Amantas Ozelis, Anton Demberg, and Hunter Sanders won at number one, number three, and number six singles. Both of uh, All three of those players have now won uh, two singles matches in a row. Um, unfortunately, couldn't find out, you know, couldn't pull it out because um, 
you know, Jaguars just needed three singles wins opposed to the Govs four. Always had the advantage when you win the doubles points. Um, the record is one and five. I think it's a little misleading. They've been competitive in a lot of the matches. Um, they've lost a couple three setters, and if one of the two of those goes their way, you know, they could be looking at, you know, a couple overall matches going their way. For the softball program, a nice start under new head coach Cassie Stanfield. Three and two with systematic dismantlings of ULM and UAB at the Blazers home tournament. If you like hitting, this governor team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Four Govs hit better than 500 last week, including a 556 showing and a team-high 18 at-bats by Carly Madsen. And the Govs didn't get a typical week from standout Danielle Learman. This lineup will be scary good as the year rolls along. Open the season with a 10-0 tattooing of ULM, which included a six-run fourth inning and four RBI days from Madsen and Casey Acre and five shutout innings from Morgan Rackle. Followed that later in the day with a workmanlike 8-3 win against Wright State. 3-3 in the fifth before five runs crossed for the Govs in the next two innings. Friend of the pod, Emily Moore, broke the tie with an RBI single in the fifth and put the game away with a two-run homer in the eighth. And then wrapped that up with an 18-4 thrashing of UAB. It was 15-2 after two and a half innings. Five Govs drove in multiple runs, including Acre and Kelsey Gross with four apiece. For women's golf, they opened up their spring season with a dual match against Lipscomb. Finished with a 3-22 at Temples Hills Country Club in Franklin. And one of the main takeaways from that was it was very, very cold. Yes. And, um, it, but it was good to get some, some good practice in uh, for the Govs. They won't be back in action until the 11th of March. Um, and, you know, probably may take that long to even thaw out. I cannot imagine playing golf in that, that weather. No, that's... They they looked. I saw Amy McCollum when she came back in to drop off the scorecards after they got back that night after basketball was over with here in the Dunn. She looked cold, and she'd been in a warm van for a long time. Yeah. Uh, last week, a couple of accolades picked up by Austin P players. Casey Acre drove in eleven runs, hit five. I want to say five thirty three for the week, but either way. Whew, boy, that was a good start for her down at UAB. And then Claudia Yanis garcia uh, you mentioned what she was able to do on the court. I mean, you, it's a outright stunner when one of the Yanis garcias is defeated by anyone at this yeah. point in their career. We will wrap this up and bring on Taylor Wiseman of Austin P Video Services. She basically represents the entirety of the Austin P Video Services Department, and she has a lot of thoughts about a lot of things that I think were pretty interesting. So we'll get to her right after this. Got my hands in my pocket, got a heart like a rocket man, a train couldn't stop it today. I got a smile like the sunshine, eyes close, keeping time, my feet and all the beat out. Somehow, with everything that surrounds the week of the Murray State game, Taylor Wiseman has found 20 minutes to vote to entertaining my curiosity about a bunch of trivial subjects, some of which she already knows about. She will likely have regrets at the end of this, but here she is anyway. Taylor, thank you. Thank you for having me, Colby. So, you are a native Texan transplanted to Tennessee. I know you have quite a bit of Texan pride. Why is that? Everything's bigger in Texas. Texas is Texas. There is nothing better than Texas. 
you and know, that's so Texan of me. <laughs> you know, without Tennessee, there's not really much of a Texas, right? But Texas is Texas. <laughs> Are there some similarities between your home state and your adopted state? Oh, absolutely. That's what makes it so easy to live here is that it's very similar to where I'm from. So it's almost a second home that is just like home back in Texas. You are widely known for your love of Chick-fil-A. Where did that come from? I don't know where it came from or how it started. I did work there in high school, but that didn't like that hasn't deterred me though from going back and eating at Chick-fil-A. I don't know where the line of hey, I enjoy going to Chick-fil-A to eat sometimes and being obsessed. Obsessed where that line blurred, but it has been but blurred. But you crossed it a few <laughs> years ago. I have crossed it and just kept on running. However, I did give it up for the month of January. And I'm only having it once a week. Is this some kind of weird Lenten thing where you're you're sacrificing, or is it just trying to actually be healthy? Well, we did a 21-day fast at church, and that is, I decided initially to give up Chick-fil-A, and then it transformed into fast food. But if I'm honest, Chick-fil-A was the hardest thing to give up. And so I'm trying to not just give up Chick-fil-A for 21 days and go right back to it and... You're trying attempt. to ease yourself back in a little bit? Yes, but also not go, like, full-fledged back to Chick-fil-A three to four times a week like I was. You'd be, to see the questions and suggestions I got from people that know you about what I should ask you this week, you would think that this whole thing was going to turn into a big advertisement for Chick-fil-A. That was what everybody, you got to ask her about Chick-fil-A. I don't, I, I know that you love it. It's good food but I didn't know that the obsession was quite as deep as it is. Oh, absolutely. I talk about the Chick-fil-A app all the time and how many points I have. I'm a silver member working towards a red member right now. Yeah. I don't even know what either of those things are. You start as a Chick-fil-A member, and then once you have spent X amount of money, you become a silver member. So each dollar then counts as more points. How much do you have to spend before they just give you your own franchise? I wish I knew, but I obviously am working my way toward that. You studied journalism in college? Yes. When did you pivot to video, which I know is a very catchwordy way to say that right now? Well, journalism is kind of a I know it's a different false term because I wanted to do broadcast journalism from the beginning. So I didn't ever plan to go into just straight print journalism. I wanted to do broadcast and be part of video. It wasn't until I interned at Louisiana Tech that I actually pivoted from wanting to be in front of the camera to wanting to be behind it. And that's when I realized that I loved being able to tell the student athlete story from behind the camera instead of in front of it. my biggest thing that I always say is that student athletes are more than their stat sheet. And so for me, being able to showcase what they do on the field, but also having the ability to step away from that and learn about them off the field. Being able to spend more time behind the cameras, does that give you more creative license than it would if you were having to worry about more front of the camera stuff? 
Oh, absolutely. I have the ability to take a step back and see what's happening on the field and then look behind the lens and see what's going on rather than focusing on watching what's taking place, figuring out this stat or that stat and making sure that I'm able to ask them the correct question. Instead, I can just be behind the lens and see exactly what's taking place in that moment and worry about getting the best angle of this catch or this tackle or whatever it may be. There's much more creativity being able to just worry about the end product of a video without me being in front of the camera. Let's talk about your animals and your, um, I don't, I don't know if it would, you seem to have a lot of obsessions because animals, <laughs> um, Chick-fil-A, we'll get to some of the other ones down the way, but what, what is it about animals? It seems like you would have been quite satisfied working in a zoo or being a vet. Well, I think this is where this obsession thing comes into play. I want a dog so bad, so I every dog that I see, I will say that I want a dog or that dog or that I'm going to go to the dog park, cut a leash, and run off with said dog. But really and truly, back home, I have one dog, and we've had one dog. Now, we've had a few... I'm, I'm talking a little bit more, like, not the not your typical domesticated, but right. also the... What's a guinea? Yes, yeah, so that's what I was going to get to. So, we, like, normal house pets, we have a dog, and then we have a few cats, but I live in the country, so we have the cats to keep mice and snakes away. And then, yes, we've <laughs> we've had guineas which is a really annoying bird the sound that they make is god awful and why would you want one of these my mom wanted them so she found someone selling them and we bought i think it was four of them we had four of them living in our um side yard i guess you could say they were just in a chain link fence my dad created and that's where they were housed um we've also had chickens slash roosters that was an easter buy on a whim the how do you buy farm animals on a whim the feed supply store down the street had baby chicks that were pastel they were dyed pastel colors and we bought six of them okay sure why not continuing the trend with obsession you seem to enjoy things that were popular in the 1990s could you tell me how you're the last holdout for rollerblading? Oh my gosh. Okay, rollerblading is so much fun. It is a lost art. Rollerblading... I went rollerblading when I was a kid all the time. I actually destroyed my head in a rollerblading accident, Were so you to not say. wearing a helmet? I was not. It was the day that I actually begged my mother not to make me wear my helmet. Yeah. And then pff, straight face plant into the roller rink but I began rollerblading again so to say five or six years ago when I would come back from school like over Christmas break me and a few friends would get together we we bought rollerblades and we'd go around this neighborhood at Christmas time and look at the Christmas lights on our rollerblades and then it just became what we did that's how we would spend time together when we came back from school so there it got to where there were one time i think we had 10 of us that were out 
And I'm telling you, we'll just rollerblade for two, three hours around this neighborhood. Okay. Uh, speaking of other things that I stopped thinking about 20 years ago, Game Boy Color? Yes. I didn't. Okay, so where'd you find one? Because it has been a while since I even thought of those. So, you can find them at most game stores. For real? Yes. They're about 40 bucks. They're really not that bad. Oh, no, I know. Um, but the way this all came about to, like, having a Game Boy again is we gave away, we were cleaning out our house one day. We gave away my old Game Boy Color, some of the other Game Boy versions that I had and my sister had. We gave away, like, a NES system. And, yeah. Ugh. Mistake. Yeah. Um, but we gave all those away, and it was kind of, it's one of those things you never use it, you give it away, and then you realize. Oh, I really wanted that. I really wanted that. So I asked for a Game Boy Color from one of my cousins at Christmas one year. Got it, and I have not stopped playing it since. How do you have the patience to do everything that you have to do around here it's tough getting everyone to march in the same direction when it comes to being on time for video shoots being on time for various sundry other things sticking to topics just doing what you need them to do it takes really a, a, an extraordinary amount of patience and good humor how do you maintain that I think for me, the biggest thing is that I'm not in it for myself. At the end of the day, the product I create is not to further me. I'm in this for the student athlete. I want them to see their hard work and dedication come to fruition and come to life. Whether that be in a video, an interview, a GIF. It's not about what I can do for myself in this position. It's all about what I can do for our student athletes and how well I can showcase the great people I get to work with every day. Um, I think that people get very caught up in thinking that student athletes are privileged and almost overprivileged. And at the end of the day, when I've got a student athlete that walks into my office and just stops by to say hi, stops by to ask about how they can do something for a homework assignment or can they borrow a camera to make sure they get their homework assignment done, it really, you begin to see who they are as people away from who they are as an athlete. And I think that that's hard for the outside to do is to separate the fact that they are an athlete but they're also a person and there's a lot more to them than what takes place on the field so that's how as crazy as working 60 70 plus hours a week is really and truly it all comes back to am I able to showcase to the outside world looking into Austin P athletics who these kids are away from their talent on the field. And I think that's how it keeps me 
sane, so to speak, is that it, I am not in this for me. It doesn't matter if you know that I created this video or I did this. I want you to be able to watch a video and see how hard the volleyball team is working, how hard baseball is working, football, golf, tennis, whoever it may be. There's so much going on here, and it's really cool to get a behind-the-scenes look, so to say, that really and truly work does not feel like work at the end of the day. Talk a little bit about being a female in a traditionally male-dominated world like college athletics. I would like to say that it's not a big deal, but the more you begin to look at it, um, it's really cool to be a part of. And here, I don't ever feel lesser than my male counterparts, but I think that's kind of the culture shift in athletics, as odd as that sounds, because I know that it's still very... It can be a good old boys club. Far behind, correct. It's still very far behind in where it should be but I think that if you same thing if you go from a thousand foot view to a hundred foot view you realize that there is a lot more support and push for females to be in this field and I think it's not something to be scared of like I don't ever really worry about coming to work and someone thinking less of me because I'm a female um, there are times when it's odd being a female in this profession when I try and run into the locker room after football games make sure I mean I'm out of there as soon as the jersey comes off that's my cue <laughs> because that's not like I don't need to be a part of that I can get everything I need prior to so I think it's really a matter of breaking boundaries so to say and not being so worried about being a female in this industry and just doing like I just I try and do my job I guess is the best way to say it yeah probably how do you combine faith and work I know that your faith is very important to you and that it kind of goes hand in hand with not only what you do, but how you do it. Absolutely. Um, I think that I try to just remember that I am doing this for a purpose. So as you asked me earlier, how do I get through everything I have to do in a work week or work day? And it always, or I attempt to come back to you have a purpose and right now my purpose is to showcase who these student athletes are on and off the field so I think for me that is where that work faith balance comes into play is that when it's Sunday afternoon and I've worked seven days out of the week and I am extremely tired but then a student athlete texts me about a video they saw or I'm on Twitter and I see that they've quote tweeted it, shared it, gone in and found them in the video and put that to their personal Twitter. 
I think that kind of reassures me of, hey, this is your purpose. This is what you're here for. You're here to make a difference in these kids' lives, whatever that may be. And that could be not a video. It could just be me being in my office and a kid walking in to say, hey, and they just need that interaction. Since 2005, Singletary Construction has been building custom homes in the Clarksville area. With a long history in framing, they are well aware of the structural roadblocks that arise when designing your custom home. Their extensive knowledge allows them to take your custom home design further than anyone else. What are you waiting for? Contact Singletary Construction at 931-542-9931 today and find out how you can get started on your very own Singletary custom home. Well, I was about to ask you about your commitment to the student-athletes, but it seems like you covered that pretty well. So before I get to the part that you don't know anything about yet, could I just get a, a complimentary yeehaw, please? Absolutely. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I haven't dropped a yeehaw in this. Yeah, I know. You've talked for almost 20 minutes without saying yeehaw. Is that a record? It may be, honestly. <laughs> okay, let's hit up some rapid fire. Uh, what is your favorite word? Yeehaw. Okay, I thought that might be the case. What's your least favorite word? Oh... I don't know that I have a least favorite word. I've never thought of that. You have to have a least favorite word. What? What's something that if somebody says it, you're like, ugh. Like, I feel like the normal one that people would say is moist. <laughs> and that is so, like, that's so weird. But I also don't think <laughs> that should be my least that's favorite That's what Gerald word. said. <laughs> like, that's such an odd word. It is. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make my skin crawl the way it does some people, but I get it. I get their... With yeah, it. like, I really have not ever thought of that. I should because one New Year's Eve we learned that my aunt's least favorite word is frothy, so we use that word over and over. I don't even want to know how that came up. I true. I think my cousin told us, and then ah, uh. yeah, yeah. Like one day you're gonna come running into my office and go, I figured out what my least favorite word is, and I just can't wait for it. I probably will. Who or what inspires you? Oh, there's a lot of people that inspire me. Um, but I think when I get down to it and the reason I am in the profession that I am and I'm a female in a male-dominated profession is my grandma. She is the person that will talk sports with me 24 7 I kid you not like I will if I'm back home for a holiday I'll try and watch some sporting event on TV and my parents my dad will be like Taylor let's watch something else leave work at work Taylor same with my mom she's like oh, I don't really want to watch that where my grandma I will call her and we will essentially like update each other on all of the sporting events we've watched and what took place so I've seen that from her from a young age that sports are not just a field for men to work in and females can know just as much about sports as men can and so she's the person who inspires me every day to continue to 
learn and grow in this field and not be worried about being a female and to continue like I kid you not she knows more than I do about sports and she she watches golf all the time like nobody watches golf that's an older person rite of passage I know but I mean she watches it all I kid you not I don't the only other show I think she watches is HGTV and that's when she's going to bed (laughs) the rest is sports like it doesn't matter what we're doing We'll be at her house for any holiday, and someone will try and put on just a regular TV show. And she's like, hey, the Cowboys play at 3. It's uh, it's 2.45. Are we going to turn it to that? Like, are we going to watch them? <laughs> I kid you not. Like, she knows so much about sports, and it's really cool to see and really cool to be able to have that connection with her. And for me, that's what inspires me each day to – continue to pursue a career in this field what's the last book you read for fun oh gosh i currently am in the middle of one that i stopped reading like four or five months ago and i truly can't real page i can't remember the name of it i do not remember the name of a book you're reading i don't know i think it's like where where but it's it's very odd and I'll get really into it and read everything and then just stop and I'm like okay I'm done reading this book like it's so bad but like that sounds so bad but I've read other books yeah it does sound bad when you can't remember the name of the book I know so okay if I'm honest this is another obsession the Today Show. I love The Today Show. Yes, I absolutely love Hoda Kotb. And I love when Jenna Bush Hager is on the fourth hour of The Today Show with Hoda Kotb. And Jenna Bush Hager in the summer was doing a book club. And that's where I found this. Like, I kid you not, I saw this book online that they were reading it for the Today Show book club. And that's why I bought it. So I bought it without knowing exactly what it was or anything about it, really. I don't have any frame of reference for anything that you said after the Today Show. <laughs> I don't know who those people were you just mentioned. I don't know what this book is. I don't oh know. I didn't even know the Today Show went for four hours. Yes, it does. But the last book that I read to completion for fun is books one through five in the harry potter series you didn't even finish the series okay i'm halfway through the sixth book (laughs) colby i work all the time is not a huge deal for you my work i complete my work oh okay yeah i'll give you that no i need to i need to take time and read for fun but i'm playing my game boy a lot What is your worst habit? Probably saying yeehaw on regular everyday conversation where it should not be. Yeah, most people say like biting their nails or something, but I can see the yeehaw thing. Being or I guess it'd probably be Chick-fil-A. That's not a bad habit. I mean. It's not a bad habit. Well, it's an expensive habit. You gotta eat. Yeah, but you don't have to eat fried chicken. Fair. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? 
Huh. Oh. I got it. So we have some land out in the hill country in Texas, and it's on the river. And we always will paddle upstream because the river's not flowing very fast. So we'll kayak upstream and then come back down to our property. Or we'll go into town, drop in at the bridge, and kayak down to our place and get out. Well, it had rained in Texas, and so the river was flowing a bit more than normal. It was up. So my mom... She grew up in Lano, which is where our land is. And they would go from the bridge to what's called the Slab Road. Well, that's about 12, 13 miles. So we've never gone downstream to the Slab Road. Well, since the river was up, we decided we'd give it a try. We are going. We took our dog, Cinnamon, put a life jacket on him. And we go. There are probably six or seven of us. We are kayaking down the river, and it's rapids upon rapids. We flip out. Everyone has flipped out of their kayaks multiple times. We're trying to catch them, find them. Well, it's daylight savings, and we left a little too late, and we are not anywhere near the slab road, which is where we're trying to get to. So we kind of stop at this little embankment that's still out of the water. And it's dark. It's starting to get dark. The water is freezing. All you can hear is the rapids. You can't fully see them. And we didn't know what to do. Like, we, we're in the middle of the river. There's land on both sides, but you're not. Like, you shouldn't find anybody. Well, all of a sudden, we saw some brake lights. And someone was out there on their land down by the river. And they helped us get out, took us back to our truck, get everything but really like what they told us that we would have come across down the river was a six seven foot waterfall that we wouldn't have known was there we would have just dropped over and it was pitch black by that point so we essentially almost got stuck on the river kayaking and it was awful I would not we have not gone downstream since we have not even gotten in our kayaks since then actually See, this is why I'm not outdoorsy. That doesn't happen when you're <laughs> sitting on your couch. What is your idea of happiness? Ooh. I feel like it'd be really cliche to say, like, Chick-fil-A all the time. But that's kind of an idea of happiness. But I really think it's enjoying what you do every day and enjoying the people that you're around it doesn't really matter what I'm doing I think that you can find happiness in lots of life's little moments what's your idea of misery this rain that we've got that is just constant oh man it's the best I love a good thunderstorm but I'm not about just like Straight constant rain when you have to come into work. If I were sitting on my couch. Come April when it's 400% humidity all the time, you'd miss this. You're probably right. What makes you self-conscious? Ooh, I think, gosh, I want people to think of me as like a as a good person which is so cliche but I want them to know that I'm not just trying to be a good person like I would like to think I'm a good person 
So it worries me when that could potentially like be called into question. This seems like a real existential crisis. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like I just maybe that's I don't know. That's I don't know. Can we cut that question? Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> what is the most embarrassing song that you love? Embarrassing song? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's called My Cat Can Fly by Joe McDermott. And the reason that I love it is I was probably in fourth grade and we went camping with some family friends. And this guy, Joe McDermott, had just gone to their school and did he had he had a concert, I guess you could say, for them. And so as we're camping, like the only CD that my friend had on her probably an mp3 player back then was joe mcdermott and there's one it's called my cat can fly and it's just so it's so odd and so funny but i think it's i love it it just and it mostly because it just takes me back to that memory i've got to find this song now (laughs) how would you prefer to die oh I think peacefully, just in my sleep. I just would like to not know that I went. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as? Oh. Honestly, probably a dog. That's the response that I get the most often. Dogs, people seem to view dogs as having a really nice life. I, yeah, a dog. My dog sleeps all day. Is like... We just we'll leave him at home. He hangs out in his uh, kennel. He'll sleep in his kennel. He'll sleep on the couch. He'll wherever. And when we get home, we'll just pet him. Like, and he's just happy to see you. Yes, he's got food constantly there. Like, oh, absolutely, a dog. What might prompt you to lie? Ooh, probably an embarrassing situation like if someone were to ask me did this really happen and it was super embarrassing i'd probably find a way to like skew the truth and what actually happened in said embarrassing moment what makes you hopeful i think life in general there's a lot of life to be lived and i think as much bad as we consume in our everyday lives, there's a lot of good to see. And I think that that makes me hopeful that you s- I see things every day that are still good-natured people. And I think that that makes me hopeful for what is to come. What's our purpose in life? What a question. I think for me personally, I'm still trying to figure that out. God, that's deep. I don't know that I've got a good answer for you on that. I truly think that... We accept bad answers here. I know. I truly think that it's something that we have to continue to learn. And I think that figuring out our purpose in life is ever-changing. What do you want to do with the rest of your time here and your career and like 
I ask our student athletes all the time, you know, what do you want to do after you graduate? And they have hopes and dreams and ambitions the same as everybody else. But I think there's always this idea that you kind of stop having those after you graduate, that you've then become whatever it is you're going to become, and that's that. But that's you've still got a lot of life and career ahead of you. Yes. This is a question that I am trying to figure out right now. Because, like you said, it's not over just because you have a not. diploma. And could I work in video at the college level for years to come? Absolutely. But I think that I also, at some point, would like to start my own business. And I'd like to, I mean, it'll be video. Like, I w- had the privilege of shooting my cousin's wedding for her, and I loved it. And so that's definitely a 180 from sports videography but it was so much fun and I think it's really cool to highlight people's most special day or one of their most special days so I really think that in the future I may look at starting my own photography slash videography business well, whatever you wind up deciding to do, you're going to be great at it because you're great here. And I can't think of a single thing that if you put your mind to it, you wouldn't be very successful at. So I hope you stay here for a long time because we really enjoy having you around. Me too. Something else that I would love to do, which is not anything to do with the video, is I would love to go back to law school and become a lawyer. What kind of lawyer? Criminal You smile an awful lot to be a criminal prosecutor. (laughs) I am fascinated by criminal law. It is so fascinating. You want to talk about a 180 now. uh, Going from video to being a criminal lawyer, that's a 180. I know, but it's so fascinating. Like, I am just... I think it's so cool connecting the dots and being able to help people in that sense as odd as that sounds with criminal law okay well taylor wiseman attorney at law look for that in the not too distant future i've already taken up way too much of your time so thank you so much for coming in today this has been a whole lot of fun of course thanks for having me i hope i did well Huge thanks to Taylor Wiseman for somehow finding time around her busy week to give us a few minutes. As we look ahead to this week, if you like the sports balls, this week is bound to have something for you. 18 contests will feature governor athletes in some capacity across five states, including seven at home. But I think everybody knows what the important one is, and I hope I don't need to spell out for you what Thursday means. This is not hyperbole, the most significant Austin P. Murray contest in the Dunn in several years. We need students. We need the community. We need you to get loud. Murray people can't walk into our building. 
Help us defend this turf Thursday as well as Saturday when the women host the racers. Murray State has Ja Morant. Hey, that's well. He's a good ball player. Great one, possibly. I think Thursday will bear out that the Govs have a deeper, better team overall, tireless coaches who have game-planned the crap out of this thing, and I can't wait for this game to get going. It's an ESPN2 contest. We need people in the stands. The better the atmosphere, the more likely ESPN will come back. The more they come back, the more exposure Austin P gets. More, expo- more exposure, more money, more money. Maybe we'll finally get that parking garage we've all pined for. Fingers crossed. And don't fixate too much on Murray because this is a dangerous Moorhead State team that the governor's got to visit this Saturday. The bench played a pivotal role in the last contest against the Eagles, particularly Dayton Gum, with Gum still rehabbing an injury. We'll need to see a lot of Isaiah Hart as he tries to replace that production. For the women's side, they actually start their week at Moorhead on the schedule flip on Thursday. Then they host um, Murray State on Saturday. So, unfortunately, you know, I was looking forward to, you know, seeing that Murray game here. Unfortunately, I'll be on on the road, but, um, you know, it's still a very important game here for the women. Um, they took down a what was regarded as a pretty a pretty good team in Moorhead State. They were highly regarded in both preseason polls. Um, an 81-80 to thriller back on January 5th, the first conference weekend, and that put the Govs at the time 2-0 and in the OVC. Um, really was the first signature Govs win on the year. Um, and the Eagles are really an offensive machine. Uh, they have two players averaging over 17 points a game. Um, have an all preseason all conference pick in Miranda Crockett. Uh, they have a Division One St. John's transfer as well, and a Rutgers transfer, and that's uh, Aliyah Juna, who's won about five or six OVC Newcomer of the Week awards uh, this season. Um, they average almost 80 points a game. At the, when we when these two teams met back in January, Moorhead was averaging in the mid to upper 80s in terms of points a game. That was it was a little skewed from some of the you know teams they played weren't Division One and all that. But I mean they were still putting up big, big points. Um, you know against respectable opponents. Um, what stands out on their schedule is the two losses to Belmont. Um, they scored 57 points in each of them and lost by more than 20 each time. Um, now they did go on the road and, or they did stay at home and destroy Tennessee Tech, who was undefeated at the time, and they have won the games that you'd expect them to win. So, and you know it's going to be a difficult contest um, for the Govs. The Eagles do a great job in terms of pressing you and turning the ball over. They have, I think, they have the best turnover margin in the OVC by a mile. Um, they rebound the ball well. They shoot about 44 or 45% of the field, and they get to the free throw line pretty often as well. So it's going to be a um, daunting task there for the Govs. And then Saturday is the big one as well. Uh, maybe not as hyped as the men's game, but the game Saturday home against Murray. And the Racers, you know, they lost their two best players last season. But now they have an absolute beast on their team. Evelyn Adebayo who I talked about Juna from Moorhead winning all these newcomers of the week. Well Adebayo has done that as well and she also just won um, the OVC player of the week and newcomer of the week double um, just announced this morning um, before we recorded this podcast. Murray State now has caught on of late. They had a you know not a good start to the non-conference season. Not a good start to the conference season. They've won three of their last four including a sweep of SIUE and EIU last weekend and this you know I have not seen Adebayo play. 
but she seems to be an absolute double-double machine. She averaged about 19 points and 17 rebounds over the Ooh. over the two games last week. I don't I care think, who yeah. you, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you're playing. 19 and 17 yeah. is incredible. Yeah. She shoots the ball well, you know, as, as well as it's not like she, you know, jacks up 30 30 shots a game, you know, like James Harden and may make like seven and get to the free throw line like 20 times. But you know, she's efficient. She is a complete beast inside. It's going to be very interesting to see how, you know, coach Midlick comes into this game with a with with a plan because you know she's gonna get her points she's gonna get her rebounds um do you focus more on her do you focus on stopping everybody else and just you know having her wreak havoc to an extent and then just trying to you know soak up the damage for at least some amount of time it's gonna be interesting to see how that matchup plays out i'm sorry i quit paying attention because i just think it's funny you're not going to find any other OVC podcasts that are slagging on James Harden, I have a feeling. <laughs> Baseball season kicks off this weekend when the Govs host Kentucky at Raymond C. Ham Park. Some SEC programs who will remain aimless don't seem to want to visit Clarksville, but the Wildcats have no such problems as they will be led into RCHP by preseason All-SEC picks Zach Thompson and TJ Collett and will likely square off against OVC preseason pitcher of the year, Jacques Pichu, in Game 1. Pichu and Parker Phillips for preseason all-OVC picks. Doesn't seem like the league really knows what to make of Austin P coming into this season, which is good. Would rather fly under the radar uh, if you're the governors, and you still got a lot of young players uh, still f- figuring out where they fit within the collegiate game. I think there's a lot of talent down in that home dugout. will be interesting to see how they put it together this year. Softball is to continue uh, a good start as they go down to the 33rd annual Louisiana Classic in Lafayette. Um, they're guaranteed to play Stephen F. Austin, Louisiana, and Jackson State, and then depending on how those games go, they could play for the semifinals and even the championship. And there's also a constellation bracket if you know they make it that far and end up falling in the knockout rounds. Um, obviously, still really early to assess what the Govs have this season, but you know this time last year they were started out one and four. And we're you know, headed to about three and six before really turning things around. Um, so there's a lot of the season left to play, and as, and as we mentioned last week, um, they're in that you know 21 game road stretch to open the season. So if if, if they can come back with a decent record, you really like their chances um, with a lot more games at home, as well as the OVC coming up pretty pretty rapidly after this opening road gauntlet. Men's golf gets the spring session underway with William and Mary's Invitational at Savannah Harbor, one of the more traditional tournaments the Govs get involved in on a regular basis. For my money, it's probably still too cold for golf, but at least they're going south, not staying in the mid-state area where it is just horrible weather right now, like all the way across the board. By the time you hear this, the men will have been picked fifth and the women fourth in the OVC preseason golf polls. I don't really put much stock into the polls, and you shouldn't either, but they're fun preseason fodder to get everybody uh, up to date and ready for the start of spring play in golf. Both tennis teams back in action this weekend. The women, who are now 6-0, and um, this is their best start since at least 2000. Um, and they host IUPUI, um, familiar foe for each team. The um, you know the men obviously played them twice last year and just this week. Um, and the men have a bit of a strange week. They they take on Carson Newman on this Saturday and then travel to Louisville the very next day. Um, you know and, and obviously 
of the two matches there, you would expect Carson Newman to be the more if, winnable one. Yeah, if they're going to go one and one this week, I have a feeling I know where the one will be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Louisville has you know a na- nationally ranked doubles team in the past you know three four seasons. Um, don't know if they're still there. I have to you know check on that when researching for the preview and stuff. But you know, it, it, it's been hard for the Govs to get a lot of stuff going there at Louisville. Um, hopefully, can um, you know? Hopefully, there can be some better results there. By the time we do this again next week, action will have gotten underway at the 2019 OVC Indoor Championships in Birmingham. We mentioned Sabrina Richmond. How she stacks up in the sprints will be a big part of what the Govs can expect this week. Kyra Wilder and Tanitha Tolbert will challenge in short sprints. Uh, a trio of hurdlers led by Lennox Walker may not sweep the podium, but they can dang sure stare points, especially if Caitlin, ba- Caitlin Black continues her ascent. And pole vaulters, as always, will be a huge part of what the governors are doing. And we have some community service opportunities that will be spearheaded by Haley Jacoby, starting with the Bird School, First Christian Church, and Mana Cafe. All those with all those uh, have plenty of opportunities for everyone to go help out in the community. Also, Read Across America is on March 1st, so Haley has all the information if you are interested in any of those. Um, also coming up here in a couple of months, the big event. Yes, the, the big event. It's so big, we just call it the big event. Um, Austin P's yearly on-campus service initiative is scheduled for Saturday, April 6th, as there'll be more information when that date gets closer as well. Uh, also, service trips to Memphis, St. Louis, and Nashville are available during spring break. So if you're not going on spring break anywhere, you know, stay and help out the community and you know, take a trip to, to, to one of these nice cities possibly as well. OVC Leadership Workshops, February 25th for student-athletes, February 26th for coaches. Be on the lookout for that in your email. Uh, A big thing that the OVC is doing, uh, helping us as we help the next generation uh, become better leaders for better tomorrow. Uh, Get in touch, stay in touch with us via web and social media. Dylan, you know the drill by now. Just, you know, go to it. At Let's Go P, you can find us Let's Go P dot com, and then Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Let's Go P. Um, Taylor Wiseman Video Services, who you know on this podcast now, so hopefully she yeah, has some. She she's now a very good friend of the podcast. Yeah. And um, Tyler Davis in digital media, they're getting a lot of good content out for us coming uh, or ahead of the Murray State game on Thursday for the men and Saturday for the women. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan Olay, and myself, we have various and sundry things for you to read with your reading eyes and listen to with your listening ears over there. And, you know, I'm going to say this as nicely as possible, but if you don't have Murray State tickets at this point, you probably are not going to be in the Dunn Center to watch this game. Um, you just, you, it's, it's probably not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. like fire marshal codes and everything. Yeah, and... Um, you know, thankfully it's on ESPN too. But you know, if 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 you, if you are waiting, you know, you're 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 you, going to be out of luck. You should call uh, uh, those people, Katie Lock and Sydney yeah. Hooper. Call them, see and, if they have a spot. and just bribe them, just straight out bribe yeah. them for a ticket. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out or offer to sell us a kidney for Murray tickets, tweet at us. I am at CWilson225. He is 
at Dylan Schwartz, probably the way you think it's spelled. And we'll talk to and or about you next week. Goodbye. Coming back, I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes, trying on all our clothes, clothes, boys blowing up our phones, phones, drop top and playing our favorite CDs, pulling up to the parties, trying to get a little bit tipsy.